You know, when Gracie and I were newly married, we insisted on resolving every difference so that the sun would not go down on our anger. Now, that made for many long nights. I mean, we were so dedicated. Every time we had a disagreement, we'd, we, we'd kind of settle in for the evening, and we would talk and talk, and she'd talk about how she felt, and I'd talk about how I felt, and she'd talk about what I did, and I'd talk about what she did, and we'd just talk and talk and talk it to death. And then finally, sometimes in the wee hours of the morning, we'd kind of come to a resolution. You know, I mistakenly believed that the longer we talked, the less likely the offense was to happen again. I think she believed the same thing. So we just pushed and pushed and pushed. But thankfully, I've learned that the truth is that happy marriages are forged on a foundation of habitual forgiveness. They're forged on a foundation of habitual forgiveness. Now, we've all experienced times when the person we love hurts us. You know, whether they're falling short of expectations, whether they're breaking promises, whether they're just rubbing us the wrong way or thinking of themselves, there's nowhere to hide from the fallout, right? Because in marriage, we're so close. There's no buffer between you and the pain. And so forgiveness in marriage is powerful. When you see it, when it happens, because the hurts run deep. I mean, there's no buffer. And if by God's grace and enabling we can learn to develop the habit of forgiveness, we'll almost immediately experience joy in the present, and we're going to reduce or eliminate our regrets later. Because the truth is, as you and I have experienced, the only thing worse than forgiving somebody who's done you wrong. You know, and, and there's legitimate reasons to be upset, but the only thing worse than forgiving them and kind of letting them off, saying you don't owe me anymore, is to not forgive them. Today we're going to look at a passage of scripture where Paul instructs us to do two important things when we are hurt or offended by the people we love the most. Turn to Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 17. Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 12. Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So what does he say there first, verse 12? God's chosen people. God has done something powerful for us that we could not have done for ourselves. We are called his chosen people. You know, up until this point, the hearers of this letter, because this was not written to a Jewish church, the hearers of this letter assumed that God or Yahweh was only interested in Jewish people. So the fact that they have now been included because of Christ is no small thing. He also says, you're holy. In other words, God has set you apart for himself. They're called for a special purpose. And then he says, lastly, you are dearly loved. You know, in contrast to the idols they were serving who wanted things from them, they are now intimately connected to a God who loves them. And in light of the new identity that God has given them, Paul encourages them basically to dress appropriately. What does he say? Clothe yourselves. You know, a number of years ago, um, before we were married, we had been dating for a while, and um, she and I kind of decided that we were going to, we were going to eventually tie the knot probably pretty soon. And we kind of even narrowed it down to when we were going to get engaged. It was going to be over a particular weekend. But what I did is I told her that we were going to just go hang out on Friday night, 
but then she needed to dress up on Saturday. And so what I did that Friday was I went up to Petland in Athens. I had a little confab with the people up there. And my plan was to put some decorations in one of the, pet, the doggy petting rooms. And then I was going to come in later that night with Gracie, and I was going to give the ring to, to one of the ladies to put on the collar of the dog. And so Gracie was totally, you know, unaware of what was going on. You know, I was, now don't give me any credit. I mean, I, this, I, this barely came to me. It was not very original. But so we got there that evening, and she's kind of dressed down, wearing jeans and a T-shirt. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of in my hangout clothes. And so we get there, and then uh, she has no idea what's going on. So I, I slip the ring to the little, to the girl that's, go- she takes it back there and takes an unusually long time. So, because Gracie, it's, this is a complicated in- endeavor because Gracie has to pick the dog. Then they have to take the dog to go back, put the ring on the dog's collar, and then bring the dog out. So it's taken a few minutes, and she's just a little bit confused. But, you know, what's wrong with these people? You know, what's taking them so long? Right, it was a little miniature pincher, you know, and so they brought the dog out, and she's, you know, doesn't notice what's on the collar, and then we open the little petting door room, the petting room door, and it says, you know, that will you marry me's on the wall with a big paper mache wedding bell, and then, and then the dog, and then she's so surprised, and that was, um, and so the, the sales girl's first question for me is, so are you going to buy the dog? <laughs> and, you know, sadly to say, I did not. But the point is, is that she was, she was a little bit upset at me afterwards, you know, because I had not informed her so that she could dress appropriately for the situation. And so what Paul was saying is, in light of your new identity as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, it is important to clothe yourselves with the following things. Compassion. Compassion says, I understand where you're coming from. Is this, is this important in marriage? You know, what's interesting about this passage is it's not written to married couples, but, you know... We don't get off the hook that easy because we say, well, there's only a few passages specifically about marriage, but any passage like this in the scriptures, it's about how you should treat other believers, applies to marriage. So the plot thickens. Compassion, I understand where you're coming from. Kindness, you know, I choose to assume and speak the best. Humility, I have a correct view of myself in relation to God and other people. Gentleness, I'm willing to match your speed and intensity. I'm not going to overwhelm you. I'm willing to not bring my full self to the table. This is important in relationships and particularly important in marriage. And then patience, I'm willing to wait. I will not insist on my way or my timing. You know, I'm going to be patient with you. So that's how we can dress appropriately in our closest relationships. Verse 13, we get to the, the core verse this morning. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So even if you dress appropriately, you're you're clothing yourself in the way that Paul has suggested, there's going to be times when you need to forbear and forgive, especially in marriage. So what does it mean to forbear? Okay, That's kind of a big word. Simply means I choose to accept you as you are. Not as I want you to be. Now, is this challenging in relationships? Is this challenging in marriages? I accept you just the way you are, not as I want you to be. So there's some ways in which Gracie has learned to accept me just as I am. And it's taken a while, hasn't it, babe? Here's one thing that I do. I will rinse. After every meal, I'll take my dish. My dishes. I'll go up to the sink. I'll rinse them out real clean. And then I will set them real neatly on the counter above the dishwasher, 
and then leave them there. And she's been very gracious. She hates it when I floss outside the bathroom. Some, somehow she's, it's, she's got a magnet. Like I'll, just, I'll find her when I'm flossing or brushing my teeth. And then she's like, just, just go in there and shut the door. Resorting the laundry. Okay, I, I, get it, I get in a tear, I'm going to go do the laundry, and then I, I don't do it right. Or I put things in the wrong... Now, I've, 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 there's been a couple of sideways compliments, more than once, where I'll put you know, something of, of the children's in, in her laundry pile. So then she's complimented, but still frustrated. So resorting the laundry. Oh, this is one of my things that you know, I, I've had to accept and forbear. Is I, you know, I'm a little bit OCD, so I think the best way to keep a cord like my headphones here, is a rubber band. You know, just keeps it real nice and neat and keeps it proportionate. And so whenever she uses an electronic device, I'm like, and I, and I go to get it, because yeah, I think the best way is you keep the rubber band on the cord. I mean, that way it's there when you need it. Well, she'll take it and put it back in the drawer. So I'll go to grab a cord out of the wall. There's no rubber band. It's hard for me to put it together. I say, where is the rubber band? And she says, it's in the drawer. So these are ways in which we've both had to learn to forbear. And then forgive. You know, I am willing to acknowledge, express, and release the way or ways in which you've hurt me. So that, that's forgiveness in a nutshell. You know, when you're, when, it, when you're trying to forgive somebody, the first step is you have to acknowledge it, right? If you just kind of bury it and try to forget it. You ever done that in marriage? Just, I'm, it's okay, it's okay, and then eventually it's not okay. You know, you've done it too many times, and now we need to talk about it. So you need to acknowledge that, that you're upset. And then express it. This is kind of a simple pattern in our marriage. You know, when you did this, I felt, you know, fill in the blank. When you, when you did this action, I felt this way. But then you got to release it. You know, you got to let it go. You know, as I've already alluded to above, when we develop the habit of forgiveness, we're actually establishing a solid foundation that can and will endure the trying seasons of life. You know, especially in a marriage relationship or any close relationship, if you can develop the habit of forbearance, the habit of forgiveness, it's like you're laying a foundation, a foundation, an enduring foundation, that you can be at peace and you can have happiness over the years and you can endure hard times. Now, this is something that I, I struggle with. You know, when we had our one session, you know, when we had premarital counseling years ago, it was a professor at ours at the college, Dr. Ken Goebel, and we went to their house, him and um, Ramona, and he said, you, you have one problem. We don't see any big red flags, but your biggest problem is going to be that you and your wife are both type A. You're both driven. You expect a lot out of yourselves. And so you're going to expect a lot out of each other. And it's taken me a long time, but I'm finally starting to realize that pointing out shortcomings is a double-edged sword. You found, have you found that to be true? Anybody found that to be true? When you, when you point somebody's shortcomings out, it's going to come back around. But after 14 years, we're getting much better at this. You know, we do, I believe we have a foundation of forgiveness in our marriage. You know, things that used to require a lengthy conversation, sometimes into the wee hours of the morning, now we get a witty and lighthearted remark instead. So I'm... Let's build, let's build a case this morning. Why forbear? Why forgive? You know, identity. God gave us one. God has provided us an identity that cost us nothing, but it cost his son dearly. Now, how do you feel when you're offered something for free that you didn't earn? 
A little bit suspicious, right? I am. But how do you feel toward the giver when you realize there's no strings attached? Just goodwill. You feel grateful. So if you're struggling, you know, with a, with a compelling reason to forgive and to forbear, remember that God has done something for you that you couldn't done for yourself. And if you're still struggling, then remember that our relationship with God is founded on the forgiveness provided by Jesus. You know, we have an example. God has set the example. God forgave us and continues to forgive us because of Jesus. You know, this is, you know, you can bring up that next one. We have an example to follow. Jesus set the example. You know, this is not do as I say, not as I do. We love that, don't we? I do that with my kids, you know, just, just do what I tell you. Why do I have to do that, Daddy? Because I said. Do what I say, not what I do. Jesus is saying something totally different, something revolutionary, something that could change lives if we can adopt this habit. He's saying, do as I did. Do as I did. So Jesus set the example. Why forgive? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And he's still forgiving. Verse 14, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love binds together the above-mentioned values. You know, as we've already hinted at, this kind of love we're talking about, it's not a feeling, it's a decision. You know, when we were first dating, God kind of gave me a definition of love that was a little bit different from my friends at the time. And I became convinced that love is doing what's in the best interest of the other person. Love is a decision. Especially when you really like each other, if you can remember back, or if you're in that situation, doing what feels loving is not the same as doing what is loving. In those early days, sometimes the most loving thing I could do was to honor curfew and to get her home and not keep her out late into the night. And now this is even more important. You know, when you're first getting together, your feelings, they dictate how you act toward your, toward your loved one, toward your spouse. Now, 14 years in, it is our actions. It's those daily choices we make, those daily decisions we make that affect how we feel. And so now, forbearance, I mean, because I'm not perfect. I mean, don't get the wrong idea. I'm not perfect. Forbearance, accepting them as, as they are, not as you want them to be, and forgiving, they're more important than ever because it's our actions that dictate how we feel. Verse 15, how can we prepare our hearts to forgive? There's a few practices here in this passage. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. The word rule comes from the language of athletics. Paul is telling us to let Christ's peace be like an umpire or referee in our hearts. Because it's in our hearts where our desires and our feelings clash. And that's where conflict comes from. So how can we deal with the constant conflict in our hearts and live as God wants? Paul explains that we must decide between the conflicting elements using the rule of peace. In other words, which choice will promote peace. Now this does not eliminate differences of opinion. It requires that we work together despite our differences. 
So I'm going to just give you a simple question to ask. You know, when, if you're wanting to prepare your heart to forbear and forgive, what choice will promote peace? When you encounter conflict, when you're disagreeing, when you're not seeing eye to eye, you have a choice to make. You can use a certain tone. You can have a certain response. But let's choose what's going to promote peace. He says, as members of the same body, you are called to peace. How much more is this true of us who are now one flesh? Those of us in this room. He says to be thankful. Be thankful. So go ahead and bring up the first two. Let the peace of Christ rule and be thankful. Be thankful for what? You know, sometimes when we're having cranky stretches in our relationship, it's kind of hard to be overflowing with thankfulness for the partner that God has provided. So I'm going to challenge you. This is so important in preparing your heart. Be thankful. Focus on the good with your spouse. There's, I know there's bad. I know there's frustrating things. I know there's things that niggle at you. But focus on the good things. Focus on the ways in which you're grateful. Focus on the things that they do that you love. Focus on the areas of your family and life that they're handling that you don't even think about because you know they've got it and you know they're knocking it out of the park and you trust them. And if that doesn't work, this is a hard one, but consider the alternative. You know, if you're having a hard time being grateful for your spouse, think about what it would be like to not have your spouse or not have that close loved one. I mean, over, thankfulness tends to overflow when they're gone or when you're not together anymore. So be thankful. Focus on the good or consider the alternative. Verse 16, here's another practice for us to prepare our hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach, admonish, and sing. You know, the early Christians didn't have access to the, to the, Old Test, or to the New Testament. They just had the Old Testament. So these stories and these teachings about Jesus, a lot of time they were put into songs. That's what he's referring to here. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So music became an important part of Christian worship and education. You know, tunes that they could remember so they could share the truths. So when it comes to this, how do we let the word of Christ dwell in us, take up residence in our spirits? We need to identify important truths. You know, what are those things that really speak to you, those verses, those passages of Scripture that challenge you to forgive, to forbear, to be who God's called you to be? Identify those. And then let's internalize them. You know, let's memorize them. Let's, let's, let's arrange things so that they're in our view. Okay, um, oftentimes I'll, I'll walk by her car and I know she's got Scripture passages, handwritten, stuck on the dash of her car. It's a great idea. So in order for the word of Christ to dwell richly in us, we've got to arrange our lives so that we're encountering it and so that we're memorizing it, we're internalizing it. Verse 17, this is the last practice to prepare our hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if all else fails, right? If we're trying to be thankful, we're trying to be peaceful, we're trying to let the word of Christ dwell, and it's, not, it's just not cutting it, then let because of Jesus be your rallying cry. Because of Jesus, I'll choose to forbear. 
Because of Jesus, I'll choose to accept you. Because Jesus did it. Look at the example he set. Look at what he's provided. Because of Jesus, I'll choose to forgive. Not because of any, any of us deserve it, but because Jesus modeled it and died to provide it. You know, all against all odds victories in the movies have some sort of rallying cry, right? For king, for country, for leader. You know, some of the sports movies, for coach, win one for the coach. So when we're struggling to make the right choice, you know, we understand the example that Jesus has set. We understand the identity that he's provided. You know, we're trying to be patient. We're trying to be thankful. But we're having a hard time. Then let because of Jesus be our rallying cry to inspire us to move in the right direction as well as to testify for the reason we made the decision. You know, rather than just holding on to that bitterness and letting it fester and letting it turn into something that we don't want, if for no other reason than because of Jesus, we can choose to let it go. So what if we'd be willing to forbear and forgive each other? What if inspired by the identity God has provided and the example that he has set, we would choose to extend the same grace and acceptance that has been and continues to be extended to us? What if we would take daily steps to prepare our hearts to forgive and when all else fails, to simply say, because of Jesus, I will. May his example on the cross continue to inspire us. Think about him on the cross there, suffering. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I told you my parents went through a rough patch, and it would have been understandable for my mom to not forbear, to not forgive. You know, so for me personally, in addition to the example of Jesus, I've got my mama. And she pushed through, and she stayed with it, and it's been incredible, the way that their relationship has strengthened, the way that I still have my mom and dad, the way that my kids still have grandma and grandpa together, and we can go to their house. And so in addition to the example of Jesus in my mind and heart, I've got the example of my mom making that choice and laying a foundation of forgiveness so that her marriage could not only survive but thrive, and so that her children would have that, that anchor in their hearts and in their past and in their history and toward their future. So what about you today? In what ways is God dealing with your heart? In what ways is maybe unforgiveness and unwillingness to accept your partner or a loved one taking root? Because I know this from my own experience and from the experience of many others, if we are not willing to follow the example of Jesus and to forbear and to accept people just as they are, not as we want them to be, and to forgive, you know, to acknowledge the hurt, express it, and then release it, then we're going to undermine the future that we ourselves desire and that God in his goodness desires for us. Pray with me. God, thank you for this morning. And for this message, Lord. And as we celebrate marriage, and we're so grateful for the, 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 the examples that we see, even the story that we saw this morning of two people who very much care about each other and have built 
clearly a foundation, God, a lasting foundation of a relationship that can be an anchor for themselves, that can be a solid, safe place for their children. So God, I pray that you would encourage us each day as we have choices to make, you know, that we would choose because of what you provided, because of your example, to prepare our hearts to forbear and to forgive, God, so that we can be um, that picture You know, that picture that you desire us to be of the relationship you want with us, God. And I just pray, God, that you would strengthen marriages, that you would strengthen relationships, God, for your glory so that we can know who you are and be closer to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.